This morning's sermon passage is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you had been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So now, Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus, because of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, we pray that you would take these words and you would speak. Lord, if all that happens in the next few minutes is that words come out of my mouth, then we are all wasting our time. But if what happens is that you take your word and you press it into people to hear and to receive and to believe and to repent and to obey and to follow and to be changed, then something great has happened. And Lord, we know not only that you are able, but that you're willing and that you're eager. And so together... On behalf of my brothers and sisters in this room, we say, please, Father, work. Please speak. Please open our eyes. Please give us hearts of faith. Please cause us to be changed by you, Lord. Please do these things. Lord, we don't want what is normal to remain normal. We want to be changed by you. We want to obey you and to love you and to serve you and to follow you and to want you to be glorified more than we want anything else, Lord, and we need your help. Lord, in light of the baptism and the testimonies that we have celebrated today, we pray this. God, would you not let anyone leave this place today not knowing Jesus? Would you not let any of us leave this place today without our hearts being conformed to the image of Christ and placing our faith in him? Friends, I would just go ahead and say even now, as I'm praying that, I feel like I don't even know how that could happen. You right now can ask God to teach you and to speak to you and to change you because of Jesus. I'm going to try to explain to you what that means, but he will do it. Father, I'm also praying that you would ravage and wreck the way we spend our time. I'm praying that we would leave this room today convicted and convinced and resolute to use our lives to help others know you. Because we believe that's what you desire. So Father, would you do it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't already, please take your Bible and turn to the book of 2 Timothy. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, I'll give you guys a little secret. We're not going to finish this passage today. Um, 
I know that because I messed it up in the first service, and now I have to mess it up for you so that we can all stay together. Before we look at the passage, I want you to think about something. What if you desired to start a movement? What if you desired to mobilize millions of people around the world to buy into your idea, your vision, your direction, and your new thing? How would you do that? Just ponder that for a minute. If you had all the money and all the capability to start your movement any way that you might, how would you do it? Now, I want to ask you to think about this, what you know from the scripture. How did God start his movement? He sent his son to be born of a woman who was married to a carpenter who lived in a nowhere city, to grow up in a nowhere place, in a no-frills home. Then this son, Jesus, grew up, and he built his movement by gathering around him 12 outcasts, 12 misfits. But he taught them. He showed them the way to know God. He showed them the word of God. He showed them the path of righteousness. And they were forever changed. And God built his kingdom through those 12 people saying, Come follow me as I follow Jesus. If we had divine insight, we would be able to trace back the fact that we exist as followers of Jesus today because of the work of those 12 misfits who reached more misfits, who reached more misfits, and who reached more misfits. But the thing that binds all of that together is the message of the misfits, that's us by the way, is come follow me as I follow Jesus. We have a really churchy word for that. It's called discipleship. Punt the churchy word, it doesn't matter. Our lives, if we belong to Jesus, are intended to be lived saying this, come follow me as I follow Jesus. Now again, some of you don't like to listen to me talk for 30-ish minutes, so I don't want to bury the lead. Let me just get it all out there, and then we'll look at the passage. What I want you to leave here today believing is that God builds his church and his kingdom through people who use their lives to say, come follow me as I follow Jesus. And, don't tune out yet, you go, "Mm, Pastor, that's good. And, that means you. That means you. I think one of the biggest lies that Satan has convinced the church is that, that because we have sinned too much, or not followed Jesus closely enough, or haven't read the Bible enough, or can't find Ecclesiastes in less than three seconds, or we don't know all the answers, or we're just doing our best and our families aren't perfect, Satan has convinced us that that disqualifies us from being used to build God's kingdom. And that is a lie. It's a lie. And most of you, whether you realize it or not, are caught in some degree of that lie. 
I'm too broken. I don't have enough answers. I can't dot all the I's or cross all the T's. I don't do everything perfectly. I don't pray with my wife enough. We don't have devotions around the family table. My kids haven't been saved yet. And the answer to all of that is cut through the stupidity. If you have Jesus and you have the Spirit and you have the Word, then God is eager to use you. Because you can summarize the whole New Testament in this way. God built his kingdom through his people who had his spirit and who spoke his word. So if we have Jesus and we have the spirit and we have the word, we're equipped and we have everything we need. And my one goal, I had two earlier, but now I just have one. My one goal today is to convince you that there's a place for you in that work of God, both to be built up and to help others be built up. It's that simple. So our sermon is entitled, is entitled, Follow Me in the Word. Our sermon next week will also be entitled, Follow Me in the Word, Part 2. Okay, So, follow me in the Word. And, and the main point for today is, follow me. So, if you're one of the note-takers, the main point is, follow me. And we're going to see that in verses 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Verses 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. So, let's look at that. Because I, I want you to see what's going on here. Remember... This letter is a man named Paul writing to a man named Timothy, who is pastoring a church in Ephesus. So Paul is a pastor writing to Timothy, a pastor, about how to faithfully lead people. Timothy, we have learned in the first three chapters, is in a season of hardship in his church. Now think about that. What advice would you give someone in a season of hardship? And you know what Paul says? He says, you followed me as I followed Christ. I advise you to continue doing just that. Lean into the paths that have served you well. So look, verse 10. You, Timothy, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. And then Paul can't help himself. He goes on a tangent that really has nothing to do with what he's talking about. That's the last half of verse 11, 12, and 13. Now, now remind, hear me, it's all true, everything he says, but it doesn't have anything to do with the point that he's making, okay? He goes on this tangent and then in verse 14, he, he, like he arrests himself and he brings himself back and he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. You hear what Paul's saying? I, Paul, have done my best to help you learn how to follow Jesus and lead his church through my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, and how I endure persecution. And in doing that, you've seen Jesus, and you've seen how to follow Jesus. And so, Timothy, in your own persecutions, lean into what you've already learned. Continue following me as I follow Jesus. Now, this argument for Paul assumes that we have been led to Jesus. It assumes that. 
But if we've been led to Jesus, what we know is that there has been a human instrument or a series of human instruments in us coming to Jesus. Someone has invested in us to help us know Christ. So let's just take Josie, who was baptized earlier. Who's invested in Josie? Well, Jacob, Brandy, many of you, right? In some way, I think I, I and anyone who's ever preached here, right? We've all been involved in that. But the point is, if those people are leading you to Christ, then Paul's saying to Timothy, lean into them and continue following the path that Jesus has you on, understanding that the human instruments who've been in, at work in your life will continue to be used by me to help us know Jesus. So, if you're a Christian then I think there's two takeaways for us in this passage. One is in some ways we're called to be like Timothy. And two, in some ways we're called to be like Paul. So first, if we are a Christian, that is if we have professed our sinfulness and our need for Jesus as our Savior, and we have identified with Him and Him alone to save us, if we're a Christian, then in some ways we are Timothy because we learn the faith from someone, because someone or some group of someones has taught us the habits of walking with Jesus, of following after Him, of serving Him, of using our lives to glorify Him, and what the Lord would want for us to do is to continually and more faithfully walk down those paths. So the Lord would say to us, as Paul says to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. So, I just would ask us, in what ways are we cutting ourselves off from continually being challenged to follow after Jesus? In what ways are we cutting ourselves off from continually being poured into and continually asking others to push us? Because what I find is that there's two things going on in the church. One is people are too busy to invest, and other is people are, are squirming around doing everything they can to not get into a moment where they're honest enough to be invested in. And on this point, what Timothy would say, what Paul would say to Timothy, and what I would say to you is lean into the people and the paths and the places that God has used to disciple you and save you and redeem you and change you. Don't look for new paths, but lean into the ones that the Lord has used as long as those paths are Christ-like and helpful in a true biblical way. Lean in, don't run away. Now, maybe you're here and you're going, man, I don't even know where to turn. I feel stuck. I feel alone. I feel isolated. I just moved here yesterday, dude. I don't even know who you are. This room is filled with about 120 people who probably need a little kick in the pants 
And you could go to them and say, would you help me figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus? And if they don't help you, you come tattle, okay? Come tattle to me. And I'll send somebody bigger and stronger than me to deal with them. That's all a joke, sort of. But often, there's like this polite southern cultural two-step of like, I don't want to act like I have something to offer you. And you're like, well, I don't want to act needy. And so we just dance around wishing that we would have a conversation that we never have, right? Am I the only one who's experienced that? So it's really, if there's no one in your life to help you know what it looks like to follow Jesus, just cry help. Just cry help. And if you don't know where to cry help, after the service, I'm going to stand right over there and you can come up and you can cry help. I'll help you. Now, I want to flip the script. In what ways would the Lord want us to be like Paul? Paul's the one in this passage saying, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings. Continue doing it. And by the way, follow here doesn't mean you've observed and kept up with like you read the newspaper. It means I have leaned into it and I have learned it and I've tried to emulate it. That's what it means, okay? Now, how many of you, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you felt like Paul's being arrogant at your first blush there? Like, how dare him say, you followed my teaching? Like, look, as long as Paul's pointing to Jesus, then his teaching's good for Timothy. As long as Paul's conduct is Christ-like, then Paul's conduct is good for Timothy to emulate. As long as Paul's aim in life is to glorify Jesus, then Paul's aim in life is good for Timothy to emulate. And we can go down through every one of those points just like that. Now, here is the huge takeaway for you today. This passage, these four verses, are not just for Paul and Timothy. They're not. They are not one-time, isolated things. I mean, they are in one sense. Like, how many of you know the Apostle Paul? Anybody? Anybody? Spoke to him this morning? Like, no. But what God did through Paul and through Timothy is exactly what Jesus did with the 12 disciples. It's exactly what Jesus did when he appeared to Paul. It's exactly how the church has been built. People knowing Christ, saying, come follow me as I follow Christ. And then those people saying, come follow me as I follow Christ. So if we, so I'm here to tell you that it should be your desire to be able to write verse 10 to someone who is struggling. You have followed my life, my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, and it will serve you well because it will point you to Jesus. It should be your desire to live in such a way that people have been brought to Christ and have grown in Christ through how you live. And so all I want to say to all of you strong believers today is, will you leave here believing that God wants you to invest in others in such a way that you could write verse 10? And I reiterate, it's not for people that have been to seminary. It's not for people that have positions in the church. It's for people who have Jesus, the Spirit, and the Word. And by the way, if you're a Christian, that's all of us. That's all of us. And if we want to live this way, I think we have to do two things. Number one, we have to actually know Christ and live a biblical life. We have to actually know Christ and live a biblical life. And number two, 
We have to invite others close enough to us that they can learn how to follow Jesus through us. And this is where the suburbs, we just fail. We just fail. We live in houses with fences, two-car garages, and too many square feet. Do you know what the fruit of that is? We never go outside ever. That's why we all have allergies. We park in garages. We go into houses. We live in houses. We come back into garages. We drive to work where we park in garages and go into buildings. And then we get back into building cars and leave garages and go back to the other garage and wash, rinse, repeat. And the result is, yes, sure, we have allergies, but we have no human relation. And we're just too busy to do anything, right? The only way that Paul and Timothy could have this relationship is that if Paul invited Timothy so into his life and his ministry that Timothy could learn from him. That's the only way that it's possible. And so I'm throwing the it's not true flag on your I don't have time excuse, on your I'm not equipped excuse, on your God could never use anyone like me excuse. And I'm saying that God would desire all of us to be able to write verse 10 because we so help others follow Jesus. Period. There is no more debate about that. I would appeal to you, Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, where Jesus said to all of his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So my question to you is this. You learned the faith from someone. Who will learn the faith from you? You learned the faith from someone. Who will learn the faith from you? And no longer at Redeemer Church are you allowed to say, I can't and I'm not equipped. Because if you have God's Son, God's Spirit, and God's Word, you have everything you need to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Now let's not become like the I can't Gestapo and start turning people in and, you know, but seriously, you learn the faith from someone, will others learn the faith from you? Now I want to say one more thing. But before I leave that point, I I distinctly remember I became a Christian as a sophomore in college. And my New Testament professor was a person who really taught me the faith. And he took me to his church and he baptized me. And and that night, um, the pastor of the church, remember I'm I'm a college student, the pastor of the church came up to me and said, hey, I've been praying for some guys to disciple. Now, at this point, I don't pray, and I don't even know what disciple means. So I'm like, okay. And he said, can I take you to lunch next week? And as a college student, I said, yes. And so we went to lunch. And he said, hey, what if we read this book together? Hands me this book. Those of you that like to nerd out, it was Richard Baxter's um, The Saints Everlasting Rest. Like, it's no, like, give to a new Christian book at all, Okay. I'm like, um, what does that mean? He's like, well, we'll meet for lunch every week. Implied, I'll keep buying, and we'll talk about it. Cool, I'm in. Better believe I'll read for my lunch, right? But then before you know it, 
I'm in their house. I'm watching them dis- discipline their children. I'm watching them make hard decisions together. I'm probably having four or five meals a week with them. Now, that's a very invasive kind of thing. I'm, that's, that's not exactly what we're talking about. But the reality is, I'm a guy from a broken home. I'm a guy that didn't see things done well as far as husbandry, as far as loving your wife well, as far as how to parent your kids. That, that wasn't my experience. But here I am as a new Christian sitting around a table watching how to really live the faith and being invited into that. And if there's much of anything commendable in me today, God did it, but that relationship, that man inviting me into his realm enough where he could say, come follow me as I follow Jesus, changed everything for me. Changed everything for me. And I'm just saying, okay, let's live that. Now, there's something that can make it even better. It would be great if, if, if I could come, if you could come into my world and learn the good, commendable things about me about following Jesus, right? But do you know what? Like, I'm still sinful. I'm still broken. I still struggle with anger. I still don't always love my wife well or my kids well. Like, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bad stuff in Jamie's life, too. And if that's hard for you to accept, like, sorry, pastor's sin, too. So if you come into my world, you get the good and the bad, right? Which means we learn how to repent. But what if we had a group of people around us where we could together learn, and and there's not just the good that Jamie has, but there's the good that we all have, right? And there's not just the repentance of one person, but there's the repentance of a whole bunch of us. At Redeemer, again, churchy word, we call that mutual discipleship. And all we mean by that is a group of people with the stated purpose of come follow Jesus with us not just me, is infinitely more powerful because we have infinitely more grace on display. We have infinitely more true, faithful expressions of falling after Christ. We have infinitely more people who can help us and who can identify with us. And so I don't just want you to invest in someone. I want you to be a part of a group who's investing in others. And I want you to be a part of a group where you can be invested in. And so at Redeemer, that's why we have community groups. That's why we have Bible studies. If you'd like to know how to get connected with the community group, you can come and talk to me or Andy. Is Andy in here? Andy's right here. You can come and talk to us. We'd love to help you figure that out. Minimally, there is a community group in this room at 6 o'clock tonight, and I'm the leader of it, which means it's a mediocre at best, but you're invited. You're invited, okay? We have them all over town, but these groups are saying, how can we together follow Jesus and help others do that? We have Bible studies to that end. We would love to help you connect with those um, we're building a new website to make all that way more visible. But right now, you can talk to me, you can talk to Andy. We'd love to help you do that. But the bottom line is, we need others to help us connect with the gospel and follow after Jesus. Now, this is going to be my last word this morning. To Timothy, in verse 14, Paul said, Continue in what you have learned and firmly. Paul is writing to Timothy as a Christian who is a child of God. So if you're here today and you have never come to that place of professing faith in Jesus, you've never turned from your path of sin and rebellion back to following after Jesus, Timothy would not say to you, continue in the path that you're on. But Timothy would say, stop. See Jesus. There's a better path.
stop and see Jesus, there's a better path. And the better path is the path of God's saving grace, God's mercy, God's deliverance, God's hope, but it is a better path. And so don't continue plunging down that path that is making you miserable, but come to the path of Jesus where all things are made new. So if that's you today, I would love to spend more time digging in to explain to you what it looks like to follow after Jesus and come to this new and better path. With that in mind, none of this happens because of human words or human wisdom. It happens by the power of God as spoken in his word. Come follow me as I follow Jesus is a, is a statement that always leads to the word of God. So next week, we're going to look at that together. Our Father... We pray now that you would speak to us. Whatever that has been said this morning is true and right and good. Would you deliver it? Where it sticks and where we are changed. Father, I'm praying over this congregation that this idea of inviting others to follow Jesus with us would take root in such a way that people would be helped and meet Jesus and be changed and be transformed. So help us do this, Father, we pray in Jesus' name.